Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. someone you love been a victim of a crime that's still unsolved? Crime Curious has teamed up with one of the top private investigation services in the Indiana and surrounding area. If you have listened to us long enough, you know that we do not seek out services or products that are meaningless to us or hold no real value. So you can trust us when we say that Corbett Investigations comes with decades of experience you won't find anyplace else. Corbett Investigations is run by a former homicide commander of one of the country's most successful homicide units, has put over 400 people in prison for homicide, handled over 1,100 death investigations, and solved 33 cold case murders. To be real with you, Mr. Corbett had a really difficult time telling us what we should highlight in this segment because he does not like to sound like he's bragging. Solving crimes has been his life's passion, and he has never done it for the accolades or recognition. He has a whole team behind his services that help him be so successful, as they specialize in things like bloodstain analysis, ballistics, crime scene reconstruction, and forensic pathology, just to name a few. When you contact Corbett Investigations, you talk directly with Tim Corbett. He is hands-on with every case and can travel anywhere that's needed to get the job done. Corbett Investigations prides itself on honesty, truth, feet-to-the-ground, real investigation work, and the strength to stand up to whatever is in the way of solving the crime. Corbett Investigations specializes in complex homicide cases, sex offenses, and criminal investigations that are old and new. Tim and his team have a reputation for finding witnesses and information that others could not. Although we hope none of our listeners ever need private investigation services, if you do, we recommend contacting Corbett Investigations and mention this segment on Crime Curious for a free consultation. Contact Tim Corbett today at 574-229-8115. You can also check them out on Facebook at Corbett Investigative Services, Inc. or their email, tim at tcorbett.org. That's T-I-M at T-C-O-R-B-E-T-T dot org. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Shardell. And I'm drinking wine. I'm Megan. <laughs> <laughs> and shaking our gray gray. Lots of gray gray. Yes. And why are you drinking wine? Because we're celebrating our love for each we other. Are. For this podcast. We're holding hands now by right now. And for you, because it's Valentine's, it's Valentine's Day. Day. And we don't really celebrate that with our significant others, nope. so we're going to celebrate our love with you guys. We're spending the evening of Valentine's Day we after are. work with each other. But you tell the people about the fine charcuterie board that I got. So Charnel messaged me today while I was at work wondering um, what kind of sushi I wanted, which is amazing Valentine's Day. But um, I already had sushi for lunch because my husband brought it to me at work, which was nice of him. And we were clearly on the same vibe we of were, craving we were sushi. Sushi, mm-hmm. but I already ate it. 
And so then I messaged back as you messaged me at the same time. How about cheese? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so I knew there'd be a, a nice dry red cause it's my favorite anyway. And then I get here and Charnel's laughing because she has bought me the finest <laughs> Walmart meat and cheese tray. <laughs> so we're not talking our fancy Gouda and Havarti no. with table water crackers and prosciutto and pears. We're Which talking what I was looking for, by the way, pepperoni, but- salami, <laughs> cheddar, Colby Jack and Ritz crackers. Guys, we live in a small town. <laughs> Small town. Havarti is hard to come by. (laughs) It is. You have to go to Coldwater to Meyer. I do. We'll have a Meyer here soon, though. We will. I'm excited for that. But yeah, so I want you to know my intention with this charcuterie board was more fancy, but I appreciate that you will just get down. You are whining and dining me with the Walmart (laughs) cheese tray. I'm good. Looks like Ritz crackers, pepperoni. What, What would we call that meat? Salami. Okay. And bologna. <laughs> my bologna has a first name. Oh, maybe a little, uh, yeah. It, it, Colby Jack. Yep. And then just like a cheese slice from your kid's lunch. It is. It is. This is an adult. Um, What are those things lunchable. called? Lunchable. It's mm-hmm. an adult lunchable. It's it just, is. it's actually just a, a lunchable bigger is what it is. It is. It's a very large. Uh, but I just love that you will get down with some off brand meats and cheeses with me oh, on Valentine's Day. I'm never too bougie. The only thing that would have made this better y'all is if she had a box of wine <laughs> and just given us two metal straws to shove right in the side of that mommy juice box. I was I was afraid that boxed wine would have made you feel cheap. And it is a special day. I it want you to feel It is a special loved. day, but trust me, you could never make me feel cheap. <laughs> no matter how cheaply you treated me. Perfect. <laughs> Good. I'm I'm glad that we're on the same so there page. We are. What have uh, we got for the fine folk today? Oh gosh, we have a horrific Valentine's cake. I mean, it's not Valentine's in terms of it has when nothing it to yeah it has nothing to do with actual Valentine's, which in of itself is a very problematic you know massacre. But True. we won't get into that. Uh, I have the case of Summer Baldwin and Joanna Rogers today. It's a little windy and turby. Turby. That's Turbulent, not a, not a word, and curvy. Yeah, you wanted to go with windy and curvy like a road. Yep, but your brain now took it someplace. Turby, turby is a great. Listen, word. TM everyone, <laughs> I have trademarked turby. <laughs> you heard it here first. When it catches on, oh, I don't yeah. want some sports guru saying he coined it first. No. It's going to be Florida right Georgia here. line instead of body like a back road. It's going to be a turby <laughs> turby body. She had a turby body. She did. She had a body like a chirby. Thanks for making up a word for me for Valentine's Day as well. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. So to to start this case, I actually have to give you the ending. Okay. To then go from there. Which happens sometimes. As we will. Yeah. Yeah. I want to take you to a very hot September 13th, 2005 day. It's like 100 degrees. Shit. Where are they? Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock. Or it's Lubbock. It's Lubbock. It's Lubbock. And yes, it is hotter than I actually do know it's Satan's Lubbock, and crack. I don't know why. It is. In September, yeah. And unfortunately, to make things even worse, we are in a landfill. Why? Because there's a body in it. Yes, because the poor workers, you guys, the poor workers there make this terrible discovery of the body of a young woman in the fetal position inside a black suitcase. I didn't know this, Megan, about landfill workers, but they have to literally inspect the sections of garbage that before they're processed for hazardous material. Oh, that makes sense. 
I know I did. I, I've never given it a ton of thought, but after reading all of this and learning more about their job, I realized that is awesome that they do that. So thank you to any landfill workers. I'm, I'm sure they're not listening to us in their earbuds while they're working. Oh, I bet they are. You know, they should be because it might make that job a little bit better. Um, It doesn't occur to you that once you throw something in the garbage, someone's going to go through it again, potentially. Yeah. And you don't have any rights at that point because you've disposed of it. The only people worried about what's in their garbage are the people that throw away black suitcases with bodies bodies in them. them, Who also didn't know that landfill workers have to inspect enclosed cases like that. What happened is that this particular worker could tell that there was something inside the suitcase, okay? I know. So he had to unzip it, this poor, poor gentleman, and discovered a body. I mean, talk about the things that nightmares are made out of. I'm thinking about hot days with states of decomp. Exactly. And you're in a landfill, so it all smells, everything's decomposing. It all smells okay. like ass. It does. It's awful. And just keep that in mind when we talk about how now this is a crime scene. And so investigators who are not acclimated to the smell of a landfill on the daily, right? And um, and the EMT workers, like all of the, the coroner. I mean, the poor funeral home director that would have ended up or their employee, you know, coming and having to pick up that body and take it. Oh, gosh, just everyone. I just feel so sorry for everyone in this situation. So the landfill workers, of course, called the police. The investigation's underway. One of the detectives on the scene was Doug Sutton, and he brought in a big team of investigators. They did carefully remove the body and immediately discover that there had been significant blunt force trauma and defensive wounds, as well as an evidence of a sexual assault. All right. They call in the district attorney, Matt Powell, to the landfill as well, as we have talked about before, this is not unusual because I don't think it takes a genius to know that when you have a body in a suitcase in a landfill, you have a crime. Correct. (laughs) I've been to multiple crime scenes in my former days as a prosecutor, and if not directly to the crime scene, I at least get a phone call that says, hey, Prosecutor Meg, uh, meet us at the sheriff's office. We have some interviews to do and some stuff for you to look at. Yep, yep. And... Uh, it was funny. I did watch one small documentary. It was like on the ID channel, I think, about this. It's in my show notes. But the um, the detective was so cute because he was trying to be very – he was like, you know, we do try to be very objective but um, in, in the beginning of, of things. But when you find a body in a landfill, you assume it's a homicide. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Shoved I mean, in I a get that. Right. With defensive wounds, right? That you can clearly see, even though the person is potentially decomposing. Yeah, I would assume that that was a good, that was a good assumption. Good, on is their good part. assumption, buddy. But I think he was trying to be like, we weren't just automatically going to, you know, hey, someone murdered this person because what if this person died of natural causes and they didn't have money for a funeral, so they just put the body in a suitcase and, and put it in the trash. It, I found it endearing how he was like, we try to be objective, but this one was kind of obvious. You find that endearing because as a former CPS worker, you guys had to go through all the possible options as yes. to how the evidence appears. Okay? Alternative hypothesis. An alternative yes. hypothesis. And good investigators do too, but that's just cute. This This one's pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the blunt force trauma. However, we do have to think... At first, the coroner's job, and we'll get to the autopsy, but 
it would be difficult initially without further investigation to determine what trauma was caused from during the act of death and or after death or from the process of the landfill. I mean, Agreed. she was picked, put in a dumpster, essentially, and then put in a truck and then carted to the landfill, right? So there's a lot of opportunity for trauma to happen to the body, but they can tell, of course, what happened pre and post. Correct. So um, let me, I'm sorry, because I just like skipped through my notes here. And so, of course, they send the body off for, for autopsy. And it is important to note that District Attorney Matt Powell was also present for that autopsy. It comes up later, so that's why I wanted to mention it now. In terms of other evidence that they could collect aside from the the body is the suitcase. And one of the first things that they notice, Megan, is that the suitcase looks to be brand new with the exception of the blood evidence in it, of course. But it still has the UPC tag attached with the code. Oh, my. They're going to be able to trace this back to where it was purchased. Yes. Or stolen. Right, right, right. So just keep that in mind as well. It's in my pocket. The medical examiner estimates the death to be approximately 48 hours earlier prior to the landfill uh, worker. Um, that happened discovering quick. her. Yes, which I think is very divine intervention there. Um, there was, of course, contamination from the landfill that complicated the forensic ev- evidence. But there's a tat- there was a tattoo on the left ankle of this victim with the name Summer. So they but between the prints on the body and that tattoo, they were able to run the fingerprints through the APHIS system, and they were able to match that tattoo and identify their victim as Summer Baldwin. So some of the reports and interviews that I have seen are kind of conflicting, and so you know I always present you with everything that I find, but Summer's mother's name is Uva Roback. Or, yeah, Robach, it's R-O-B-A-C-K, um, or Robach, if there's a, you know, accent. But anyway, she, I think that she knew Summer was missing prior to her body being found because someone close to her in the, in the area in Texas had not heard from her, um, but she had not been reported missing yet, you know, to the police is my understanding. That leads us to believe, just like I've had covered in other cases that she probably was somebody who would often disappear or maybe not be in constant communication with her Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. Now, her mother got a call from the police informing her that Summer's body had been found. It was Mm -hmm. actually Uva's husband who took the phone call and um, broke the news to her and had her call the police back. And, of course, at first, Uva does not believe that it's summer until they really have to convince her with the tattoos and things like that you don't to want say, it of to course be. not. Um, I watched some interviews where Uva described Summer as being a really happy child. She was very good nature, and essentially her name fit her to a T. She was originally born in Tacoma, Washington, on August 27, 1976, but she actually grew up in New Mexico. Other than that, there's not a ton about her childhood other than she seemed to have a happy childhood, okay? So I, I don't have those details, but I do know as she got older, she pursued a, co- a cosmetology degree and had only recently moved to uh, Lubbock, 
Lubbock. Lubbock. Sorry, you, I'm going to say it every fate. time. It's a brain. Um, you've convinced yourself of, the, of this, of, even though you know how to say it. It's okay. I've been there. Well, and I have to tell you, some of the reports that I saw were calling it Lovelet. Lovelet. Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. It wasn't until I saw it written that I realized. People unfamiliar with, with yep, Texas. That they're actually saying the wrong. Um, say it for me one more time. Lubbock. 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 All right. I've got to say it and not read it. Yeah. If that makes sense. All right. Anyway. Um, so she moved to Lubbock right before her death to live with her Aunt Terry, who was like a mother to her also. She was very close to Aunt Terry. Now, if you research this case on your own, <laughs> and this just irks me, you guys, you're going to see the the media felt it extremely necessary to constantly remind the public that Summer was allegedly a sex worker. Okay. Now, that's not the word that I saw any of the media use even once. Well, they all say hooker. Her. Uh, prostitute. Prostitute. Hooker, hooker. Okay. whatever. Okay. As if it's somehow relevant to her death, which it's not, <clears throat> no. just so you know. Where relevancy comes up with that, so I'll throw, I'm not going to throw them a huge bone, but. Oh, don't throw them a bone at all, because I'm, I'm going to call someone out real, okay. real heavy by the end of this. Where that becomes potentially important is actually to the investigator and perhaps the prosecutor, because we're trying to use that information to go and, and find potential uh, witnesses. We're going to find, you know, potential murderers. So mm-hmm. is somebody, did somebody uh, pay her for a service and then they ended up killing her? We've had serial killers do this mm-hmm. as well um so that's where I would be interested in if that person was a, a sex worker and then the only other thing I can say is some people are so old school that they still say prostitute right um because <clears throat> and this what that's this, the law this is a 2005 this, case yeah. okay but I guarantee you that the law on the books in Texas probably still has the criminal offense being prostitution mm-hmm um, sometimes it's solicitation. There's no, there's no actual, you know, PC way of saying it. They haven't changed it to sex work. Mm-mm. That's not illegal. Right. The word right. is unfortunately prostitution. Right. Right. But it just, it bothered me because this wasn't, um, because we don't care what of kind of work the victim was no. actually involved in. Sure don't. She's a, or victim. Exactly. She's a victim a hundred percent. And like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, come back to this later there was some just some really gross things that I found that really pissed me off essentially and I just think that this day and age 2024 it's time to start highlighting those things for society and start doing better but anyway the autopsy was completed by medical examiner oh here we go (laughs) Shridhar Netrogen and I said it right I spelled it phonetically Shridhar Netrogen All right. I'm just going to tell you right now, though, in 2016, so well after, 11 years after Summer's case, Shridhar and uh, Lubbock County paid $230,000 in a settling a wrongful termination lawsuit after a former employee claimed that she was fired for speaking out on the medical examiner's habit of leaving the office, delegating autopsies to unqualified staff, and then signing off on them. However, Summer's case happened in 2005, but this does become a problem later in the case in more recent years. All right. 
Because it opened a door for the defense. It sure did. It yeah. didn't work, but it sure did. Of course it did, Any right? Any type of wrongdoing um, the part of an office where you could call them to question their practices and whether it's a reliable uh, scientific study, mm-hmm. they're going to bring it up. And the biggest problem is just the delegating um, unqualified staff and signing off as if you did the autopsy. Later on, we will see the person's defense saying, how do we even know that he was really the one that completed this autopsy? Well, we do because the district attorney, Matt Powell, happened to be present for the autopsy in this case. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, I know the people who are from this area, if they're listening, and I know actually we have some Patreons from this area too, are probably going to tell us like, yeah, he has, Matt Powell has a complicated history as well of being, you know, seeming as if he is, um, uh, I don't know, corrupt, something like that. However, I haven't found in my research where that has ever been actually cooperated. But we can say, I think as a former prosecuting attorney too, you can probably say shockingly, a lot of people think that there is yes. corruption in every, you know, prosecution office and things like that. Right. There so. are corrupt people in every sure. single occupation in the entire world Absolutely. because it actually has to do with who you are as a person, yep. not your potential occupation. Yep. But it does look worse and potentially fucks things up when the bad guy happens to work for a morgue, a prosecutor's yes. office, a yep. sheriff's department. Those, Absolutely. Those yes. convolute cases. Yep. Yep. So, but that was, that was really just about, um, the medical examiner that, uh, and you know, Lubick, Lubbock, Lubbock, Lubbock. I can't, I almost looked at it. Ugh. <laughs> Lubbock County. All right. Words are hard. Um, so anyway, so Matt Powell is present for the autopsy that was completed by Shridhar and they make note of a lot of bruises. Um, you know, lots of contusions, blunt force trauma to the head and body. It's obvious that she put up a hell of a fight for her life. Her cause of death, however, was positional asphyxiation. No, she I was know. alive. God yes. damn it, Charnel. I'm sorry. I know. Ugh. Very, it's, it's, it's highly likely that she was unconscious yes. because of the blunt force trauma to oh her God, head when she was put worse. in that suitcase, but she was alive. Ugh. So, and, and then essentially suffocated. Um, investigators have work cut out for them trying to figure out what dumpster what route she was placed on to begin with to end up in that landfill. So they had a ton of interviews that they had to do for drivers that morning and for drivers that, you know, the specific location of where they dump, right? Because this is a huge landfill. It's not small. If I can interrupt, you work your way backward. First thing you do is find out in that section of the landfill every single truck that might have dumped there that day. Then you're going with each trucking company. Uh-huh. To try to find that which one um, perhaps has a person who remembers that there was a black suitcase that they loaded up if they remember that they loaded one. It's like you can read my notes even though you can't, my friend, because that's exactly what happened. A driver remembered a suitcase from that morning. Okay. And so. Divine intervention. Yes. Yes. I mean, because what? Are, look at all the garbage that they see. And I think what was so profound for them is it's very clearly a brand new suitcase. Why are you throwing out a brand new suitcase? Good point. Very like, good point. I can see why it would be more memorable because it's like, damn, should I take this? Like, it's a brand new suitcase. Why are you throwing this out, bro? You How know? often as a garbage truck driver, I know there's a better word for it than that, but. Sanitation d- worker. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks. 
other people's trash could be your treasure. Like if you get a brand new suitcase there to be thrown out, why wouldn't you might be, well, I'm not throwing that out. I'm putting that in the front. Guys, don't tell me that any of my country folk listening have not seen something on, on the, the side, side of, of the road. road and picked it up and been like, I can refurbish this. I know a lot of people who do that. We legit in my town that I used to live in have a trash pickup day um, where they will take big items like furniture and yes. stuff like that that you usually can't put out with the garbage. People come around in flat beds and, beds and pickup trucks and take all of your trash they and sure garbage. Do. And I don't know what they do with it, but more power to them. I think sometimes they refurbish it. And then sell it. Come, come and sell it at our local fail, fairgrounds. Sure. Fairgrounds. Blah, Sorry. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Been lots of talking today. Been lots of talking today. Wow. Ben, I've had two sips of wine. Oh, I can I'm tell. ridiculous. This, we are truly sipping. Ugh, no, it's more so my day job that just slowly <laughs> sucks the life out of me as the day goes on. But... But truly, our fairgrounds, Saturday mornings, people sell their refurbished stuff. And so I do think that people pick it up on the side of the road. There was just this indicia ah. of trustworthiness then with this guy who yes. remembers. Because yes. clearly, in his head, he's made the conscious decision. He's like, oh, well, that was a really nice brand new suitcase. <laughs> it so it was. drew my attention because I thought maybe I should keep it. Yeah, well, they exactly. Because it was in the garbage. Super glad he didn't because he would have been in for a hell of a surprise. But, which I guess it would have made it, the, the case move along a little bit quicker. By um, a day. A two. D- truly, yep, two days. But investigators go to where that, that dumpster is, okay, that he uh, recalled. And there is miraculously a home video camera that's kind of pointed at it. But unfortunately, the only thing that it catches is a neighbor hanging out her laundry. It does not show us. Her wheeling we can't a suitcase. see it. No, no one is wheeling a suitcase by. It was angled just right that there was a fence and you couldn't actually see who dumped anything into the dumpster, but they were hoping to catch someone, just as you said, wheeling a suitcase around that corner and into it, and they, they didn't. Um, so the autopsy also reveals that Summer was 10 weeks pregnant. However, some reports say five, okay, but I am more apt to believe 10 weeks because Summer's mother did an interview and said that she was already showing, you should know Summer is very slender. She is a petite gal. So I will tell you by the time I was 10 weeks pregnant for all of my babies, I was showing by 10 weeks. Oh, that makes sense. I just look like I ate a case of donuts. (laughs) Which also sounds like fun. It is. <laughs> By the way. Truly. Um, but yeah, so they had those conversations. Um, she knew, Uva knew that Summer was pregnant. Then she had to have been 10 weeks. At five weeks, you yeah. barely know you're pregnant. And in 2005, which is when I was first getting pregnant, yeah, no, you still had, you had to still miss a full period before the tests picked up that you were pregnant. So I agree. That's yeah. exactly why I think she was 10 weeks too. But in Texas, Megan... This means it's a double double homicide because she was murdered and so was her unborn baby. Yeah. So even in the state of Michigan, if you assault a woman um, and cause death or injury to the unborn baby, that's a specific charge. Mm-hmm. Love that. It should be. Yep. So, of course, investigators think, all right, who's the father? Because could this possibly be our first suspect? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. So they have to get some information on Summer's friends, and they learn through family that one of her good friends in the area was a woman named Margie Estrada. 
Now, Margie is initially very shocked to learn that Summer's gone. So they are questioning her while she's also processing this loss. Okay. But she tells them that Summer has not told, had not really told anybody who the baby's father was, but she believed that it could possibly be a guy named Quincy Freeman, otherwise known as Q, because they're on again, off again. And she knew that Q had a violent history with Summer, and that's why they were on again, off again. Sure. All right. It took the police hours to find Q, but they do finally get a break from one of Q's friends. He gives them an address, and they pick him up for questioning. All right? At this point in time, he's the prime suspect. He's even more suspicious because he didn't seem to care that Summer was found murdered, even though she was pregnant. He and liter- he knew yes. she was pregnant. Yeah. He literally said, and I quote, she was fun to be around, but we broke up and I've moved on. End quote. He swore he had not seen her and he was not anywhere near her at the time of her death. He also gave very detailed information as to his whereabouts before and after the body was found, which also made them be a little bit suspicious. Like, why do you remember so much about what you've been doing? But remember, it was only about 72 hours or so later, so it's not too hard to to pull up. Depends I mean, on if the you're day. me, yes. I was just going to say, we both went there. Depends right. on the day for me. Yes. I don't even know if I could tell you everything I've done since this morning. No, I, I agree. It does depend on the day. I know that there were no bodies put in anything or dragged to any dumpster, so nope. that I can assure you. Nope. What they decide to do is ask him to take a polygraph, which he does, and he passes. Okay. All right. So now they're like... All right, so this, the father of the baby angle, kind of a dead end. We don't like him, but we don't have any evidence, even circumstantially. Yep. So next, all of a sudden, Margie shows up at the station. Uh Oh, Margie. And she remembered something that she thought might be important. So she gives this information. And I'm going to say from an investigative standpoint, although I didn't read from any of uh, of the investigators that they felt this way, but like, I think it kind of goes unsaid. She gave information that to me seemed a little bit suspicious that she didn't remember initially, but then when you remember that she was also processing the loss, the shock that your best friend or one of your best friends, whatever, I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume they were best friend. It was just described as her closest friend, okay, discovers that you're murdered in a, in a landfill, right? There, there is some shock there, but she tells investigators, I, I saw Summer, the night that you're saying she was murdered, I was at a 7-Eleven. I ran into her. It was about 11 o'clock or so at night. And she was with, at a convenience store, that, that 7-Eleven that I just mentioned. Sorry, I'm not reading from my notes. But um, she had told Margie that she just met this guy. Like, new guy that she had just met. He's really nice. Like, she seemed excited about this guy. There is never once ever any mention or assumption that she was working. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's what I was wondering. I know. No, never. It was just, hey, I was um, at a bar. I met this guy like off, off the clock, if you will. Sure. Okay. And she just seemed really excited about him. Um, Margie recalled that he was in a red truck. She couldn't remember the make and model of the truck. Why would she? No, exactly. She just remembers that he was, he seemed to be Hispanic in ethnicity. He had light skin, dark hair, younger um, in this red truck. And 
So at this point in time, you just described 90% of Texas. Exactly. Exactly. So they're like, okay, what 7-Eleven was it? Let's go get the camera footage. So she tells them they go get it. The business was very cooperative. Now they're looking, you know, around the 11 o'clock to 1130, 11.45-ish hour, right? And they do see a man pull up that matches that description. He's older. He's got a a fantastic beer gut going on. Um, He bought a couple of things and left without incident. But you can't tell if anyone was in the vehicle or got out of his vehicle. You can see his vehicle pull up. It's a red Truck? Yeah, yeah, it's a red truck. He was wearing a, a bright yellow shirt. Um, they can't see a plate and they can't see his face. He's wearing a hat. So they're like, well, damn, you know, this isn't helping us initially. And it doesn't help that the, the recording only fr- only records like one frame of video per second this or something like that. Yeah, so it's it's pretty clunky, right? Um, they can't even like really confirm that this is who Margie saw. So then they turn their efforts efforts to the suitcase and the small UPC code that can identify the name and brand of the manufacturer so I've they can waiting. see where it's purchased from. The only company, this is so lucky, that he, this dude happened to pick the brand of suitcase, and I know it because it was the cheapest. Um, it's the only person who sells this brand is Walmart. Okay. Yes. He got the great value brand and the man does, er, and the man, excuse me, and this does narrow things down. So if he has- Sam's Club too. Right, right. But this particular no. one did Sam's? not sell. No, Sam says Sam's. I, I don't think true. they say great, great value. value. Yeah. So this one they narrowed down to the only place it could possibly be sold is Walmart. Okay. Um, so there are 300 Walmarts in Texas uh, yeah. at this time, probably more now, but there's only two in, in Lubbock County. Okay. All right. So they go to the one that's closest to that 7-Eleven first because humans be lazy. And that Walmart's records reveal that in the time, time frame that they are looking at to when the suitcases would be sold, which would be, you know, within that 48 hour window that the coroner said she had been, um, murdered. They were able to get access to the video footage and discover that one was bought in the afternoon at 3.58 p.m. by a Caucasian older female the day of the murder. So she would have, she, it was thought that, that Margie saw her at alive at 11 o'clock at night, right? So the murder would have taken place wee hours in the morning. So they're like, all right. Who is this person? She was paying by a Walmart loyalty card, so it's easy to trace. Her name was Diana. I'm not going to give her last name because I think we all know it wasn't Diana. It was Margie. Okay. It's not Margie. Damn it. Yeah, good guess, but it's not Margie. All right. Not Margie. Uh, But it's not Diana. Diana has no warrants, no records. She was just buying a suitcase, probably going to see her grandkids on vacation. That's what I'm going to assume. But the second one, Megan, the second suitcase, now that one was bought at 3 o'clock in the morning, just 12 hours before Diana bought hers. So technically it was the first suitcase, but I just told you them out of order for suspense. You little vixen. I know. 3 o'clock in the morning. Who is buying a suitcase at 3 a.m.? Me. I am terrible planner, <laughs> and I will be packing and be like, well, this is broken. <laughs> 
But now I'm going to be terrified to go at 3 a.m. and ever buy anything. Nope. No more rope and tarp buying for me nope. at 3 a.m. But you know what? You and I both know this is not enough for probable cause. Just buying a suitcase at 3 a.m. is not is not enough because of exactly what you just said. What if you are packing last minute and you discover my damn suitcase broke? Right? There's okay. nothing illegal about going to no. commit that act. They have to have it. I think to establish even reasonable suspicion, I need one more thing. And then maybe for probable cause, like another thing. You want to know what the one more thing is I that he really bought? I really do. With the suitcase? I really do. Rubber gloves. Disposable latex gloves. I shouldn't say rubber. They're latex. Those are two different materials, Charnel. Well, yes. Yeah, latex gloves. Yes. Yep. You try putting a rubber glove on your unit and you'll realize the difference between latex latex and and rubber rubber real quick. (laughs) Well, my unit is currently sitting in the other room. I don't need to make jokes. uh, It's not funny, but you're killing me right now because I want to know. Well, and when they're looking at this footage, this male matches the description that Margie gave them. Tan skin, dark hair, younger, wearing a uh, green striped sweatshirt, very bright, is green and white, and um, seemed to be of Hispanic descent. And he's pretty calm. He's just picking out his suitcase. Then he goes over, picks himself out some latex gloves, and they track him on camera, just meandering through the store. Do-do-do. Here I go, normal customer. I'm going to pay for these. Um, and so he does, and he pays with a card. As which I would. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Pays well, with a card. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just a dumb criminal move, honestly. Uh, it, it it really is. It really is. They this Now, the footage, I'll tell you, was not enough to, like, see the card, see the name on the card, anything like that. So they some time has to go by so that they can get a warrant for the bank by the way, for this transaction to issue the name and address of the card holder. But they do do that. And I'm including that just so you guys know how how lengthy sometimes these investigations when people are like, how was things not solved? Sure, um, you had all this information. Well, we need to get the proper warrants. We have to go through the due process correctly. Financial, financial institutions don't just hand information over when the police go mm-hmm. in because they protect your private information, yep. you guys, or they're supposed to except for when they leak it and then someone steals your credit card. Not that that <laughs> happened to me recently or anything. Um, <laughs> It's violating. Uh, no, they come to me instead with a search warrant, and then I, as a, a judicial official, go through and see if there's enough probable cause to get that private personal yep. bank account number of yours and what your name is. They had one more piece of evidence that gave them that prob- prob- probable cause, excuse me, besides just the suitcase and the gloves. When they went to the um, parking lot footage, this gentleman red truck. got into a red truck. Unfortunately, the license plate was too blurry for them to be able to get any information that way. But that now we have that matching description, that matching truck, a very suspicious 3 a.m. purchase of a the suitcase, a black suitcase that matches the one that was found in the dumpster. And Margie believes she saw her potentially around 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. So we know, at least at this point... Well, I guess we speculate that she's been killed and he's going in to buy stuff to cover up or to dispose of her. I mean, unless Isn't she's... That unless that probable she's cause? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's always the potential that she's willingly alive and he's just run in to buy a suitcase so they could take a trip together and clean his bathroom. Sure. With the gloves. I got to throw it all out there. Yeah, that's an alternative sure. hypothesis. 
Yeah. But it's not a plausible one from the look you're giving me. It's, so we know where we're, we're building a circumstantial case at this right. point. Right. I mean, cause, cause now well, all okay. it was all of this information that allowed them to be able to get the warrant for the bank institution information. How long did right? that take by the way? Just a couple of days, hopefully it did only take a couple of days. Good. Yep. Um, so they, the name that is given to them for these transaction or this transaction was Rosendo Rodriguez, the third, cause there has to be two more before him. He's 25 years old from San Antonio, Texas, which is 400 miles away. I'm beautiful. Yeah. From where Lubbock is. Lubbock is. Now, they're, they know right away they're going to have to show that this particular person was in the area at the time that Summer went missing. I mean, they have him on camera. They know he was in the area. But Summer technically was last seen at 11, right? Like, they, we're, they're doing good investigatory work here. They um, run this, or they look at his his transactions, and guess what? That 7-Eleven that Margie saw them at, well, it turns out that uh, good old Rosendo spent $18 there, and on the same transaction date that matches the date that Margie said, the same date also that the men- medical examiner had given for the time of death, the date of death, September 13th, okay? However, the timestamp was 6.38 p.m. that he was at the 7-Eleven. Now, Margie thought that it was more like 11. He might have been there twice. I believe so, too, but but to be very, exactly. What did he buy? He absolutely could have been. $18 worth of snacks. Not gas. Okay? No. Was he scoping it out? Was there a bar nearby? Um, There was his hotel. Okay. His hotel, hotel was across the street. Have a bar? Um, I'm just assuming no. where would she have met this they really nice meet, guy? They did meet at a bar in town. Yes. Yep. 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 I am wondering too, as an alternative hi- hypothesis, did Margie have her times mixed up as well? You know what I mean? I mean, because yeah. you have to think about it. She didn't initially even remember that she saw Summer that day when she was questioned or initially questioned. She remembered. A day later, like, oh, my God, wait, I saw the day you're telling me that, you know, this is when I last saw her. And then the police at the time that Margie is telling the police, I saw Summer on this day. Margie has no idea that the police deduce she was the last person to see Summer alive. Yeah, that would be my luck, too. And again, depending on any given day. I, I could totally be off on times. I've done it before. And, yeah. the, and, a, and a person who I'm with might say, Megan, that's not true. That was actually six o'clock, remember? Because it was after dinner. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. well, it felt like two. <laughs> right. You know, I just. Exactly. I mean, human. We're relying on somebody's memory who has been informed of an express trauma with a friend and things that your brain didn't decide were a priority to remember or even in a particular order, it didn't. Mm-mm. No. So now you're going back telling your brain, hey, that thing that you didn't log, that's important now. So could you go back and find it? Yeah. Could you go, could you go read what it says? Yeah. And you've, you forgot your glasses. No matter how many times. It's all blurry. I've tried. I can't do a search warrant for a brain. Right. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Yeah. So his card showed that he was a reservist in the Marine Corps and his unit was stationed in Lubbock at the time of the murder and investigators learn that he did not stay on base. He stayed in a holiday inn that was directly across from 7-Eleven where he made his purchase and where Summer was last seen alive. So he's active duty. 
Uh, he's a reservist. Yeah, he's a reserve. Mm-hmm. And okay, he's a reserve. which would make sense then for those of you uh, friends of ours who have served. Then you may not get put on base. They may throw you up at the uh, Holiday Inn or a local hotel for your for your duty. It was described that he had the option, and he always chose to stay off base. No, would wouldn't you? Yes. If I could stay at a hotel where someone else cleaned up after me and there was a pool and a bar in the lobby and a restaurant versus me bunking in with a bunch of people, fuck yeah. And I'm just, this is the obvious choice. I'm just in Lubbock to for training. Yes. For my required training to stay yeah. in the reserves. Yeah. I'm at the hotel. He checked. So Rosendo Rodriguez had checked out by the time the police piece all this together and go to that Holiday Inn. Weird. Uh, but they ask what room. You know, that he was in, they look at it, they find clues on the carpet. There is blood. DNA. He had just recently checked out because the garbage hadn't been thrown away yet. There was a used condom. And there was a Walmart bag with a receipt. And you know what was on that receipt? A suitcase and rubber gloves. Sure worse. Sure sure worse. I like that. Um, <laughs> hey, so we know that there was evidence that she had engaged in sexual activity. Do we know for sure whether that was a sexual assault or is it possible that they engaged in a consensual act? He was wearing a condom. We're going to so get to all of that. Oh, good. Don't we worry. don't always know. We don't. But this time it becomes very pertinent. Okay. Yes. So they learn also that he spent the morning after summer the coroner had said like hey this is her likely time of death right he rented a movie in the hotel star wars well it could have been worse i thought you were gonna say a porno name or no something. no he just rented himself some good old you know family dynamic problematic star wars yeah i don't like him the next morning i don't either the next morning he withdrew money from an atm and then he used his card again to treat himself to some breakfast because after throwing a woman's body in a suitcase and to- tossing it into the dumpster, I think you must be, you get hungry. Tired and hungry. This so, piece of shit. So the police find him where all cowards go when they know that they done wrong. Church. No, oh. good guess. I thought he was at confession. He went to his mama. Oh, same difference, really. In San Antonio. Your mama ain't church, church is your mama. That's right. Like, seriously. No, he went to San Antonio where his mama lived, and he was arrested without incident. Ironically, they waited until he exited the house. And you know what he was exiting the house to do? Take out the garbage for his mama. So they just surround him. They cuff him. They throw him in the back of the car, and they pull away, not even giving mama an explanation as to why. I liked that part of the story. I like that for him, but remember, I sometimes feel bad for defendants' families. Unless you're going to tell me that they were, he was had an awful upbringing and she knew about it. Can you imagine your child being hauled off from your house when he we'll was get the to his out? upbringing? Okay, see, she okay, <laughs> it comes in. Blah blah blah. I just, I really hate this guy. So. I know you do, but I can yes, tell. yes, you're we'll, feisty. We'll get to, we'll get to the family. And no, I don't care that they didn't know why he was just picked up by the police. You have no sympathy for the defendant's family in this case. Not really. No, you probably won't by the end of it either. I mean, maybe. No, I don't know. I'll let you know. Uh, This is what Rosendo Rodriguez III remembers from that night. I don't know why you're making it sound French, but I like it. I don't know either. I like to roll the R's in the when I can once in a while, and Rodriguez is the only time I can. So just Ask me, me no other time. Is your husband's happily married with those R rolls? <laughs> 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 
Yeah, yeah. So he says, I just finished training for the day. When I went for a drink downtown, I met Summer. I took her back to the hotel where we engaged in consensual sex. And then, out of nowhere. She attacked me. Sure did, with a knife, a little yellow knife, Megan. This 90-pound, 29-year-old woman. Who's 10 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, attacked, attacked him you. with a knife. Now, he does tell a pretty convincing story about how he assumed she was turning around to get her clothes and then all of a sudden she pulls out this little yellow fold-out knife and stands up and comes towards him and he's thinking this is a direct quote from him don't swipe at me don't cut me maybe he was naked and his tiny little hot dog was flopping Uh, around he said he was panicked Remember I told you he's a reservist yes. in the Marines. So he's trained so, combat, most likely. Thank you. At least he's had some basic training. Would you be scared? I wouldn't be scared of a 90-pound, and I am 98 You are pounds. a 90-pound woman, and if you came at me with a knife, I might be moderately concerned. I am throwing <laughs> that out there, but I also don't have any Army Reserve training. And you also know how scrappy I am. And also I would <laughs> probably laugh. <laughs> and I'd just take the punch. Because I don't think it would hurt that much. It's a small knife. It's a small knife. How much is it? Come on, Did man. he have any uh, defensive wounds? Did he have no. any stab marks? No. Was there anything on him to indicate he'd been assaulted in any way? No. Also, there was no yellow knife found. Okay. Okay. She is small enough to fit in a standard size suitcase, people. Sir, you have no argument. You are a Marine. But you're not, because you're too much of a pussy. So this anyway, guy. <laughs> so he claimed that what happened is that he reached for her wrist, and he pulled her own arm around herself and put her in a chokehold, telling her to drop the knife. And she still wasn't. He says that he noticed eventually she quit trying to pull away and get away and stop fighting, so yeah, he let he her go. Her. And he claimed that because of the chokehold, she died. But remember, he doesn't know what the autopsy said. No. She was passed out, maybe. When he was asked about the blood on the carpet, like, hey, there was significant amounts of blood evidence on the carpet. He's like, yeah, I looked down at her and I noticed that her nose was bleeding. No, the blood evidence on the carpet was significant, like from the head trauma, not from a nosebleed. Good day. How do you create significant head trauma from a chokehold? Mm. So what did he hit her with? Right. That never comes out. Really? No, not sure. All they know at this point in time is that his story is totally inconsistent with the autopsy report. He could have just bashed her head into the floor. She had over 50 freaking contusions on her head. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he was pummeling her head and face. Right. The the evidence from the hotel room shows there was a a struggle. She had defensive wounds. You guys, even... If, and this is bullshit, I don't believe it, this 90-pound woman freaked out and tried to attack him, mm-hmm. at the point that you subdue her, it's it's over, okay? You can't kill somebody after you've defended yourself successfully from them. And he's indicated that he's done this by virtue of this chokehold. 
mm-hmm. with no exclama- exclamation yeah. or explanation sure. for the over, what, 40 you said? 50. 50 contusions on her head, which is a little excessive. So even whatever his defense might bring up, if they're going to go with the self-defense route, oh, I'm thinking the prosecutors are going to have an okay job proving that wasn't the case. It's going to be pretty easy, I think, to prove. Yes, yes, yes. So he also... Remember, she had all those defensive wounds that don't line up at all with his story. He continued to claim that he panicked and didn't know what to do. Yet he's a trained officer in first aid and CPR. She was alive when he put her in the suitcase, that much we know. He was also super calm when he went and bought the suitcase, bought the gloves, tried to clean up the mess. He was calm enough and admitted even that he was calm enough to buy Star Wars, right? These are not incidences of panic he was calm enough to put her in the suitcase and then put her in a dumpster are there other missing women because this is a person who's so calm you wonder if they've done it before or if he has a history of domestic violence to the point that he's desensitized has zero respect for women and just well she deserved it so i got rid of her do you remember at the very beginning of the story i named two names you did yeah we'll get to it okay so as a matter of fact We'll get to it. We're going to tie all this together for y'all. We're going to get to it right now. Love it when you give me immediate gratification on Valentine's Day. (laughs) I know. I try to take care of my girl. Mm -hmm. I really do. All right. So March 2008, he goes to to trial for the murder of Summer Baldwin and her child and shockingly confesses to another murder that he's already a suspect in. Oh, my God. But was Do never I charged. win a prize? I think you should. You're. I'm going to make a crack. I would like to work with you on um, your clairvoyance and starting to really hone in that spiritual gift because people need to know you can't see my notes, no. but you often know what's coming next in a weird way. We are an independently produced podcast. I this is not scripted. No, the worst parts about humans Charnel. <laughs> that is the problem can you imagine uh, how hard it is to be my friend yes you can yes yes I can because I can sense and know the worst part of people I know I think that's why we get along so good I'm stroking so Chaz. good so well so good so well and I'm stroking the queen of the pain you guys over this here. is stupid this like we aren't even paying attention to each other and we've both taken our little <laughs> crystal tchotchkes out for comfort and I'm stroking this crystallized Chaz who's a little dino by the way for those of you that don't listen to Patreon and you've got the crystal skull I do it's All like right. our comfort items right well now. now that we're stroking our comfort items which yeah. are appropriate for uh, PG-13 audiences that's right which you guys are not uh give me the rest <sighs> there is a murder all right of a Miss, I, I actually guess, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say murder, but we figure she's murdered at this time. There's a case of a missing 16-year-old girl named Joanna Rogers. She'd been missing since 2004. Yeah. Remember, Summer was found in 2005. Yeah. Okay. So, the last calls that were placed to Joanna were from Rosendo Rodriguez III and two uh, or excuse me, and the two, so Joanna and Rosendo, had some internet exchanges that put investigators on his path, but they never had enough to charge him. So, so they know there's a man involved with a teenager who happens to be missing, and they're probably not liking it, but there must not be enough for like child sexually abusive material so at this point. They don't have her body. They don't have a body, but what bothers me is what was the extent of the messaging from them? Was it sexually inappropriate or innuendo 
that could have led to some type of child. You know, here's my dick pic, 16-year-old child. No, it was only described as internet exchanges. It's 2004, so chat room exchanges. And yeah, it's harder to find stuff through computer forensics in 04. There were programming, and I had cases like that, but they also take forever. Yes, and so what happens is when he's arrested for Summer's murder, okay, his name pops up as a person of interest in Joanna's. Oh, yeah, it does. So they approach him with like, so what do you know about Joanna Rogers? Because they still do not, in 2005, have her body, okay? They only know... She was the last, uh, Rosendo was the last person that he taught, that Joanna talked to and that they had some internet exchanges. That's all they have. And she's been missing ever since. Okay. So before he goes to trial in 2008 for Summer's murder, they say, let's make a deal. If you want to confess to two counts of first degree murder for Summer and Joanna and help us find Joanna's body then we will not pursue the death penalty against you, and instead the plea will be life, okay? Well, that's important in Texas. It is, it is. So he decides, I'm going to take the plea. He confesses to murdering Joanna Rogers, and he helps the police locate her body in the very same landfill that Summer's body no was found in. No shit. This guy is consistently coming to Lubbock from San Antonio yep. to murder young women and throw them in, like, they're garbage in Correct. a landfill. Correct. That's what he thinks of women. I think that's it is. pretty obvious. It is. Mm-hmm. I, I must know more. But he loved his mama, didn't he? Yeah, lo- they all do. I love my mama. You ever see Wreck-It Ralph when the big guy says that? I it's do. So cute. And the and But you also just, that makes me think immediately of, like, Dahmer like they true they love their mamas even yeah yeah. he didn't hurt his mama but this is where things get wonky Megan you're not gonna like it he recants his confession of course he does the deal's off the table he claims that he is unstable too unstable to understand what his legal counsel is telling him and he wants a jury trial instead fine this means that he can't use his confession for the murder of Joanna even though they found her body Okay, where he said that they would. But you can find where the body was found. Yeah. Maybe they've thrown the confession out so that you can't use that piece. They but can't. So in for so here's the thing. In the trial of Summer, for Summer and her baby, they cannot use any information about Joanna's murder as and the plea deal is off the table. Fine. Which, which means that you can get the death penalty. Right. I'm fine with all of this mm-hmm. because I'm going to win your fucking case on killing that mom and the baby. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get life. And then because it's not enough for me, I'm going to charge you on the other murder as well, even though it's potentially circumstantial, just so you have to sweat. <laughs> just so you're sitting there well, waiting to die, but knowing that you're still going to be prosecuted so you can die three times. Three times. <laughs> Well, that's one way to do it. We all heard Megan's way. Let's talk about the way Texas did it. I might have to move there eventually. I just. <laughs> so, oh, we did agree. We are moving someplace warm I together. I prefer if so. it was like Florida, Louisiana. Me but, too. But there are parts of Texas that I would live in, San Antonio or like Galveston, along the water. Let's put them on the map. Okay. We'll, we'll put them on the we'll list. We'll put a pin cushion in right. them and go do some visiting. But that is what's going to happen. When we we are retiring or moving, when when we hit it big in the podcast world. Oh, yeah. We Please are, subscribe. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We're going to move someplace warm and continue to create content for you. 
we could create more content, as a matter of fact. If we even, have more Patreons, we could quit our day jobs and do this every day. And if we don't have these day jobs, we can even create questionable content. Absolutely. <laughs> we and get by better. that, I mean YouTube video. I don't mean OnlyFans <laughs> like Charnel has planned. She's like, speak for yourself. For my feet. <laughs> Nothing else. Oh, shit. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So here he is on trial for the murder of Summer Baldwin and her unborn child. All right. It's believed that due <laughs> to the medical examiner's report stating that there was evidence of a sexual assault, this is what escalated the case to make it fit the criterion to be a death penalty case. All right. So this is where the information that some are engaging in sex work comes into play because the defense wants to argue the gross argument that you can't rape the willing and that they think that they're going to be able to win. All right. You can rape the willing anytime their consent changes. Stops. Even if it's in the middle of it. In the middle of it, at the very beginning, at the end, Mm -hmm. right before you come. I don't care how graphic that was to you. You can stop consenting at any point. Yes. Man or woman. Both of you. Absolutely. Now, the district attorney, Matt Powell, argues that there was more than enough with the murder of Summer and her unborn baby without the sexual assault. And also, I want to point out that you can be both a sex worker, a woman, and a victim of sexual assault. The difference is the consent, okay? Because there is no information that she was engaging in sex work at all. They met at a bar. There's no evidence he that He admits that they met at a bar. Is there any evidence that there was even an exchange of money? No. And he never indicates any of that. So even if it gets, if if that was brought up at trial or an attempt on a character assassination of a victim, I would object so fucking quickly to have that thrown out. And even if it was potentially going to be allowed in, there would have to be evidence of it. Show me where there is any. Mm -hmm. Just because she engaged in that work at some point in time, so if this guy at some point in time of his life, life was a plumber, can he testify as an expert on that too, since we're going to use it both ways? Right. Exactly. No. I stayed. Right. Oh, he did stay at a Holiday Inn. He did. But um, bum <laughs> Fucker. Now this, but this is where the whole thing gets complicated because later on we have this medical examiner who settles outside of court because he had been, you know, essentially diverging his duties to unqualified people. And they were signing off. He was signing off on these reports, right? And he committed malpractice, basically. He did. He did. Later, in 2016. Okay. But he was the one that noted that there were significant signs of sexual misconduct, sexual abuse. Now, unfortunately, Summer is not here to tell us if that was consensual or not, but we know that she didn't consent to be murdered afterwards. Correct. Okay? So the prosecution was able to locate ex-partners of Rosendo, which is very smart of them, five, as a matter of fact, that were willing to testify that they, too, had been raped and assaulted by Rosendo Rodriguez III. Because so they had charged him with some type of a sexual assault causing death as well. Yes, or which was is it what, just part of the murder? What allegedly escalated it to be a death penalty case was because of the sexual misconduct. So it's important, and then the prosecutor can file a specific motions that we call I'll just call it a bad acts motion because mm-hmm. there's a number associated mm-hmm. with it, but it doesn't translate. We get to, to bad Texas. acts later. Mm-hmm. So the bad acts then are going to be able to be allowed to come in potentially. 
The judge may decide that. It doesn't during the trial. Wow. But it the will. The sentencing phase. In the sentencing. Amen. Yes. Amen. Okay. So this is called, you know, we also know this is a pattern of behavior. It, de- it demonstrates that it's far more likely that the medical examiner's report indicating a sexual assault had happened was far more likely than Rosendo's or, um, argument? statement, argument. What do we want to call it? Did yeah. the defense attorney say it? We'll call it an argument. Okay. Yes. His argument that everything was consensual. Okay. Rosendo also changed his story from the initial police interrogation where he said that Summer had turned around and he thought she was getting her clothing when when she grabbed the knife and came after him. In trial, he claimed that they were arguing over her using a drug, which is just more attempts to make, to dehumanize her, bring in her character, as you mentioned earlier. Character assassination. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Charnel? Yes? Did they do a toxicology? Uh, yes, there was nothing in her system. So he really was able to successfully keep her from using that drug by killing her. Yeah, yeah. I hey, don't, it's successful I every don't time. I want you to take that cocaine or heroin or whatever it was he was claiming. I, I didn't even look up the drug. I'm not sure. So, yes. Yep. Well, and that's special. So anyway, wh- whatever whatever the argument really is, it all boils down to it's still not okay for him to take her life, put her in a suitcase, and throw her away. Correct. So, April 1st, 2008, the jury finds him guilty for two counts of first-degree murder for her, Summer Baldwin, and her unborn baby. But let's talk about the sentencing phase, because the same jury who found him guilty now has to make a decision about his sentence. And although in the trial phase they could not learn about Joanna... They were allowed to hear about it in the sentencing phase to bring up the prior bad acts. Yeah, we don't, again, you guys, we don't have this in Michigan because we're not a death penalty state. So the judge decides based off of sentencing guidelines what your sentence is going to be, and it can never include death because it's not an option. It's not. But this is where they could bring up his, bring in his confession. Correct. His prior confession. Okay. And how they found her body in the same landfill as Summer. But... Joanna's father, uh, Joe Bill Rogers, is able to take the stand during this phase and talk about the last time that he saw his daughter alive. An FBI agent also testified that Rosendo Rodriguez called Joanna twice on the night of her disappearance. And finally, the Lubbock police detective who said, at the same time that Rodriguez read online from searches of his computer about Summer Baldwin's murder, he mysteriously started searching up and reading about Joanna Rogers' murder and even downloaded some of her pictures. Mm. That speaks volumes. Well, it doesn't speak anything good. It doesn't. This it is doesn't. bad stuff for him in these it book is. volumes. They also hear from Rosendo Rodriguez's fam- own family Rodriguez's father, Rosendo Rodriguez II, testified. I wonder what his dad's name was. Rosendo Rodriguez II. I met his dad. Rosendo Rodriguez I. Thank you. Thank you. And before then, it was Bill. No, I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Okay, so we have some generational stuff. Yeah, his father testified that he was an alcoholic who frequently beat his wife in front of his son. Okay. All right. So he's coming clean with that to the judge so that or to the jury so that they can perhaps find something mitigating or sympathetic yes, about his own child. I created a murderer because he might have. I'm a dickhole. He might have. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't it doesn't excuse murder. Does not. You know, when does not. dealing with um, ethnic and culturally specific defendants, even for a purpose so not not a murder, you guys. I'm not dealing with those, but for purposes of probation, I will acknowledge that there are some very highly ingrained cultural things mm-hmm. um, in, in many different uh, race and ethnicities. But with the Hispanic culture, there's a very quiet acceptance of domestic violence and abuse on women in the home. Um, and the, yes. I've seen these yes. young boys then that are products of this who've then perpetrated, of course, but have also really significantly been victimized mm-hmm. because they also do not report male on male criminal oh, sexual God, conduct no. in that community. No. And some of that's religious based and, and mm-hmm. otherwise. So I just want to let you know that I'm being accepting that there's a huge cultural component to this. But it doesn't make this guy any not, less culpable. It does not. It do, not of murder. It doesn't. It doesn't. I just, earlier when we were talking about sympathy for the family, I just, when he gets up and he testifies, yes, I frequently beat my wife in front of my son. It doesn't make, excuse his murder in any culture. You can be culturally sensitive and still acknowledge that that's fine, but you still can't murder someone. You just can't. No. So, uh... Rosendo's sister, Sophia, also testified, yes, our father was domineering and violent. And when um, Rosendo's aunt took the stand, she recalled that at the age of 14, Rosendo Rodriguez announced that someday he would be the first Latino president of the United States. Oh, cool. That's just sad. It is, because how different could he have turned out? And I'm not like, had he chosen differently, right? Like, maybe you could have been, man, if you had chosen differently. the military and then, unfortunately, used that as a tool and an opportunity to take advantage of women as young as 16 and just, victimize them. It just really, this is what is gross to me. It's grandiose. Okay? It is Not grandiose, gross. of course. And he's 14, so all 14-year-olds are grossly grandiose, by the way. As yeah. someone who... Has one, well, he just turned 15, but has a bunch of teenagers. This is why, as parents, we need to give our children realistic expectations. So, for those of you telling your 14 year old who's a starter on the Class C football team, please don't tell him he's going to play for the Lions, especially next year, because we're really good. Yeah, just tell them to keep working towards their dreams. Do that. And if they want to play in college, it's great. But Mm -hmm. again, let's, I don't like, I don't like setting kids up for failure. Well, because it can set them off on the, the, the wrong track of feeling like a failure. Yeah, I'll do anything for love. Yeah. It's, it's a meatloaf defense too. But this, like, this guy, what was he trying to do or prove here? Can I, well, can I give you an argument Please. though that I don't love about this? Ugh. Not an argument. Okay. Okay, so all of these things that we're saying that could potentially pull out sympathy, which is what it was intended for, for Rosendo. So what Rosendo, I would do as his attorney. Rodriguez, right? But I want you all to think about the fact that these two victims' families were also sitting there. And they had to hear about how their daughter's bodies were found in a literal landfill and that this guy's family thought that he could be president because he's such a good guy. Not that presidents are necessarily good guys. I'm not Word. saying that. But come on. I I found that and, and that his family is up there saying, yeah, he's from a shitty background. That's why all this happened. As a victim's family, I'm saying, 
fuck you. I don't care. Oh, I don't care. Guys, I have to sit and see the looks on victims' families' faces while they're listening to this and trying to gain composure. How many times have you seen on court TV where somebody, you know, they then they burst out an outburst, and then the judge has to yell of all people at the victim's family to tell them, "You guys can't do that. Please stop, or you're going to be in contempt. Please go say sit, you know, outside the courtroom." It hurts my heart. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, sometimes you just gotta be quiet and listen. I mean, it sucks. And And did they get a chance to rebut? I mean, did the prosecutor give the victims impact statements? There were impact statements. Yes. Good. Yeah. They have that right too. That needs to be preserved and protected. Yep. Yep. But it just, I don't know the whole, the whole spectacle of it, of just having to sit there and listen to, yeah, I, he had a bad upbringing. I have understanding for that, okay? I call it understanding because that's truly what it is. It's not empathy and it's not sympathy. Or acceptance. I, or acceptance. I have understanding for how the consequences, part of the consequences of your actions, sir, as mom and dad, uh, contributed to the choices that this man made. But ultimately, he has the free will, and he's the one that made these choices, and it's ultimately on him. And so I just, I don't like the pass the buck stuff, right? It's like gaslighting. It's just not, it's not okay. It's not an okay argument. I don't like it. Rodriguez's mother did testify, told the jury that Rosendo was always a respectful boy, and he also has a six-year-old son of his own, so there is a Rosendo Rodriguez the fourth. A boy he has only seen three times. Maybe this will stop the generational uh, abuse. I think so. Thank you. I was going to point that out too of, okay, I don't think that's a bad thing. As she left the stand. Just keep him away from grandpa. Yes, exactly. As she left the stand, um, Rosendo's mother passed out. And so Rosendo jumped to his feet, cried out to her, but was restrained by the bailiffs. Um, None of this had an impact on the jury, though, because they did sentence him to death. Yep. Um, and I do have a compassion for how much it sucks to be his mom. As you pointed out, and I had wrote in my notes here, the cultural problems here, right? Like of just, that is their, that is mom, a part of their based culture. Based off what we heard from her own husband's testimony, She's been a victim her entire life yes. and probably done everything she could to, in, in to our, be the best In our mom. cultural eyes yeah. a victim. I mean, I don't know that they always, that that's how, you know, I'm yeah. trying to be very well, culturally sensitive here. I, but. I am, but I'm not because even taking cultural sensitivity into it, a crime is a crime and that's a, oh, that's a victim. Oh, for murder, sure, sure, sure. I, I, no, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, I just, wow. Okay, so the jury gets it right mm-hmm. if if you believe that uh, death sentences are appropriate and mm-hmm. you guys know my opinion on that he is sentenced to death rodriguez's lawyers fought to the end and when i say fought to the end i mean literally to 20 minutes before his his trying death. to get a stay of execution yep. yep his last appeal took place in 2018 and argued that the lawsuit that i mentioned to you earlier called into question the credibility of the man of the medical examiner's testimony testimony sorry now Hadn't that been brought up before? 
It had not in his original case, but it okay. was brought up in the appeals. So that's yeah. why it's interesting because new information and new evidence could be grounds for an appeal or even a stay to allow for some type of a hearing. So what happened is they pull at this lawsuit, essentially. Well, yeah, to, it's yep, the straw say, you grasp mm-hmm, at. Yep. Um, to say that truly what defined in the prosecution's opinion, the appeals did not agree, just so you know. But in the, excuse me, I meant the defense's opinion. Sorry, my bad. In the defense's opinion, they felt that in Summer's case, it was the sexual assault that made it a death penalty case, okay? And so given the controversy about the medical examiner after the, the lawsuit, they wanted to pull at that for the appeal, right? And um, so... It, it essentially what happens, the other thing that they pulled at too, so they pulled at that, but they also said that they didn't feel that he could be charged for the death of Summer's baby because there's not enough information to indicate that Summer knew she was pregnant. She did. She did. And her mom knew and they had started buying baby clothing. So oh, that's that enough. in that case, w- in my opinion, was enough, but you know. Um, so... The lawyers felt that at a minimum, they wanted to be allowed to take a good look at the doctor's disposition and find out if he was actually the one that did the autopsy or not. However, Matt Powell, during the appeal process, confirmed he was there. He watched the medical examiner do the autopsy. And he says as well, I have, quote, I have no trouble with his lawyers exhausting every avenue that they can. But there's no question that the right guy got the punishment and he got the punishment that he deserved, end quote. I like it. I, I did too. We know who did it. We know that the right, the right guy, you know, was, was prosecuted and found guilty. And in the state of Texas, like it or not, you can be sentenced to death for killing others. So on March 27th, 2018, right on schedule, Rosendo Rodriguez III was put to death by the state of Texas via lethal injection. It took 22 minutes after his seven-minute rambling for his last words in which he attempted to make himself a martyr. He never once apologized to the victim's family who were in attendance, and he he never showed any remorse towards them or his victims. Um... And which I think would be very difficult to sit there and watch. Amongst his last words were, quote, yesterday was my birthday. Yes, he was sentenced to death the day after his birthday. And today I today I meet my God and Savior. My state may the state may have my body, but they never had my soul. I've fought the good fight. I have run the good race. And warden, I'm ready to join my father. So I've fought the good fight and I've ran the good race is actually a remark, a, a, a Bible reference like Timothy in Timothy, by the way. Yeah. So, okay. Bizarringly. And he means his father in heaven, not yes, his dad not who his abuses dad. his mom. Correct. In front of him. Yep, yep, yep. He also rallied against the death penalty and urged everyone to boycott businesses in Texas. Why businesses? I don't know. This is his quote. Quote, lastly, I want everyone to boycott every single business in the state of Texas until all the businesses are pressed to stop the death penalty, end quote. The two don't really equate, buddy, but okay. (laughs) All right. Oh, gosh, that's so fantastic. So Summer's mother 
is happy that he, that he got the justice that she feels he deserved. And I found an article that showed 10 years after Summer's murder, an old landlord of hers found a file with a bunch of Summer's photos in it. And this landlord went to great lengths to find her family and return them to her mom. Um, and I also found in only one report. So, you know, I like to give you guys all the information, but I couldn't find this anywhere else. But one report said that she was a mother of four. What? Yeah, and I don't know if that's true, but I wanted to mention it just in case it is because no one else mentions children. children. None of the legal stuff, nothing, which the legal stuff really wouldn't anyway. But still, um, and this is before we end, I want to end on a scathing note. A scathing note? Scathing note. to okay. the. T- and this is me calling out the Texas Tribune. In We're reference. not going to be featured there. We sure aren't. We sure aren't. And Are, we don't want to be. Okay. I feel like I should preface this with, with the opinion that Charnel's about to give is her own. I'll preface that. This is entirely okay. only nothing. personal opinion about what was written in the Texas Tribune about this case. Let me guess. Uh, Marine puts a death over killing prostitute. Mm, is it of. close? Kind okay. of close. Kind of close. Kind of close. All right, this this article was written March 27th, 2018, which is the day, the day that Whale Turd was executed. All right? <laughs> I thought you were mispronouncing it. No, no. <laughs> you just said Whale Turd. I just wanted to call him a Whale Turd because they're. I assume they're big. Uh, for all I know, it's nothing but diarrhea. It's, but like, a, it's like a bird, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, we all know Fitting. that he's, he's a turd. Um, anyway, this article, all right? Ugh. It says, Texas executes Lubach suitcase killer. That's what he was dubbed, by the way, the suitcase killer. Lubach suitcase killer? I know. I don't know. This is the opening statement that I can't stand. Rosendo Rodriguez was executed Tuesday for killing a Lubach prostitute and tossing her body in a dumpster in a suitcase. They don't use her goddamn name. Why, guys? Why would you lead an article? This is 2018? Is that when this is? All I can say to any of you who report things on the media, I think that it would be appropriate to state uh, the person's name and why Why do we have a profession? Why does it have to be in there? Thank you. Do you know if a I'm- A woman, No, no. It you just know mine would. where she was from. My employment would get put in there. And also, she was a cosmetologist, by the by- Oh, see, you threw that at me. So she was a Remember I told you she went to cosmetology school? She was a cosmetologist, maybe on the side, allegedly. I know I found nothing from any of her family that mentioned that she was a sex worker. I found nothing in the court reports that said it. It her was friends. only in the fucking media. No, none of nothing from the friends. It was just the media. I think it's sensationalized. Or he reported she was a sex worker. Of course worker. he did. Cuz he's a murderer. But shame on you for saying killing a, a, a Lubbock, Lubbock prostitute, prostitute and I tossing her body in a dumpster I in a suitcase. It. Are you kidding me? That grabs. That is a headline grabber. I, uh, so here I am. I'm a social worker and a podcaster. That's how I pay my bills. But I promise you I am more than that. And if I get murdered, I don't want to be called a Michigan social worker slash pros- podcaster slash you want to be called OnlyFans foot person model. <laughs> model no i'm kidding i really don't have one by the way but i do love I, to joke i don't about care it. if you do i love to joke and i am the channel listen 
this is our podcast. If I had one, I would certainly send our listeners there. Oh, just it'd be, in case it'd be all over like, in the yeah, show Yeah, we don't notes. stink kinks just in case they Not like that. Not at all. Yeah. So uh, it just, uh, I it grossed me out. It grossed me out. And you know what? I hope everybody has a good day except Texas Tribune. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's all I have to say about that. I love you as a person. Happy <sighs> Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And you know what? You know what? I'm going to throw her a bone. Him, her, they. They. I'm going to throw they a bone. That <laughs> <laughs> was the worst grammar ever. I, I love it. I know. Maybe your editor made you change that. Okay. So shame on. Or they on, changed it after you wrote the article. Right. So, sh- but just shame on everybody involved. That's not okay. We don't do that to people. Uh, do you have a bathroom? Would I you do. like to be bathed? Okay. I have a brain bath for you that I think you're going to be really love. Okay, but before you do that, just mm-hmm. because we did just briefly discuss this lovely charcuterie platter, it reminded me that romance starts at Dollar General. Show your love this Valentine's with a surf and turf meal kit, $7.99 while supplies last. It is Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill, a tin of those Armory Vienna sausages, a tin of sardines, a red solo cup, and a birthday candle for $7.99. Surf and turf meal, your local Dollar General. If you're not turned on by that photo, Megan, I just don't know what also, will turn Also, Dollar you General, please contact Charnel if you'd like to sponsor her. <laughs> You had me at the can of sardines. Can you imagine if we were sponsored by Dollar, Dollar General? General? I'm in. I'd be pretty excited, actually. I ain't, I ain't got I, no shame in that game. Me neither. I will save everybody a buck. There are some good deals there, people. Yes, there Might are. be the dirtiest stores ever. But you know what? We can't be good at everything. Have you ever eaten anything off the floor at any local like convenience no. store? No. So why does it matter there? For sure. Right? It's not going to be the first time you choose to eat a Skittle off the floors at the Dollar General. No. I'm also not licking the bottom of my shoes, so I don't care if those I touch the floor. I try not to. Yeah. I do like my shoes, though. You do really like your so shoes, not much. lick your shoes. I know. It's not fetishy or anything. They're no, just pretty. They are gorgeous. Tell me. Tell me. Give me a brain bath on Valentine's All right. Day. Because it's Valentine's Day, I had to give you one that would just resonate with your soul. And so I am giving you some actual court reports <laughs> things funny things documented by court reporters okay all right i We've i i 100% know before, i bet i know a lot of these maybe maybe you have read some of these but or lived them uh, true oh good point mm-hmm. all right <clears throat> this is i'm gonna do it in like the style of tell you attorney and witness all right I love it this is the attorney can you describe the individual witness He was about medium height and had a beard. Attorney. Was this a male or female? Witness. Mm -hmm. Unless the circus was in town, I'm going to say male. (laughs) Full beard. Love it. Said he had a beard. Love it. Okay, how about this one? Attorney. Do you recall the time that you examined the body? Witness. The autopsy started around 8.30 p.m. Attorney. And Mr. Denton was dead at the time? No, it was super awkward. He was struggling a lot while I was cutting him open. Witness said, if not, he was by the time I finished. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking truth. That's great. 
I like that medical examiner Me already. Pe- attorneys too. get caught in our heads about mm-hmm. trying to put things on the record, and we ask stupid shit sometimes. And sometimes you know you're asking stupid shit, but you just have to have it on the record. Clarified. Which some of this really is. Yeah, it, but it's still because so the funny. one with the beard, unless the circus okay. was in town, I want to be like, I don't feel like you've met my grandma. <laughs> okay. No, it did require clarity. No, most women just choose to wax that off. Thank you. All right. Attorney says, all of your responses must be oral, okay? What school did you go to? Oral. (laughs) Yes. Keep going. Witness, oral. All right. Attorney says, so the date of conception of the baby was August 8th? Witness, yes. Attorney, and what were you doing at that time? Witness, getting laid. That's fantastic. I would have come up with something else, though. Like, what were you doing at that time? I was operating heavy machinery, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I was... I was the str- passenger of a vehicle located on a dirt road. <laughs> I was currently banging my head against a headboard. What were what? you doing? How about you should know you were there. (laughs) Weird that you don't remember. Oh, God. It really catch him off guard. And also the judge wouldn't actually find that funny because you swear to tell the truth. But I have to giggle sometimes. Right. Me too. Okay. The lawyer says, what happened then? The witness says, he told me, he says, I have to kill you because you can identify me. The lawyer, did he kill you? The witness. Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Have you ever heard the song by the Fugees? It was with his touch, with his song. (laughs) Killing me softly. He killed me softly. (laughs) I can't, girl. I can't. All right. I'm going to leave you with this one. Okay. Attorney, are you sexually active? Witness. No, I just lie there. Oh, God. Don't admit that on the record. That follows you. It does. It goes on your resume. That follows you. (laughs) Shit. No. All right. You're welcome. I hope you all have a good rest of your day. All right. We hope that you all enjoyed this episode and we hope that you keep it curious. Keep listening. And until next time. Bye-bye.